Welcome back to Creative Chit Chat. I'm Ryan McLeod and this is episode number 32. So this week I've got Colin Gray with me and Colin runs a site called The Podcast Host. I mean, I I say it's a site, um, it's more of a a sort of content platform that is filled with amazing content, articles and a whole other stuff around about how to set up, run and grow your very own podcast. Whether you're a beginner starting out in your bedroom, whether you're a business looking to do it, or you're in education. And alongside that as well, he also runs a bunch of podcasts, including one called Podcraft, which is all about um, growing that the real craft of your podcast and how to develop that and all the different aspects. But the thing is, I actually came across Colin long before I met him, um, when I was setting up creative chit chat uh, and I was online looking at advice and articles and his stuff came up quite a lot and um, I read a, a bunch of articles about the kit and things like that and it took me a while to work out that the podcast host is actually run from Dundee so it's run from uh, the Medamill uh, studios next to Wasps so we actually did the recordings in there in his studio and we did a sort of back-to-back so I'll be appearing on his podcast Podcraft uh, in the next three to four weeks which I'll share the link to and you can hear my ramblings on that and Colin came to mind and we sort of chat about his journey and building up the the business to the level it is and how sort of created this subscription model and this divide between free and paid for content and how he's built up the whole podcasting side of it and given advice and and how podcasting has become such a a great medium for for getting a personalised message across and really adding that, that personality to your brand or your business or to your teaching. And I think one of the things that came out of the conversation um, is the sort of nature of, of podcasting in Dundee. I mean, it's relatively new. There are a few guys up and running that I know of that are out there doing it, which is fantastic. But I'd love to see more people getting involved. And we sort of chat about, about how to do that. And I think if, if anyone is sitting out there and they think, oh, maybe, maybe, I should, maybe I should try it, definitely go and do it. If you have a good idea and you have a niche of content... Um, Go and check out Colin's site, so thepodcasthost.com, and that'll tell you everything you need to know to get off the ground. But similarly, drop him an email and drop myself an email if you want to have a chat about it, because um, it'd be great to sort of build up a bigger network of, of podcasts out there. And it's not, a, it's not a case of competition, it's more about the more podcasts that are out there, and the bigger the community, and the more people driving it forward, the stronger, and better informed, and higher quality we're all going to be. Um, so yeah, I'd really encourage you, if you are thinking about it, and you're wondering if it's quite right, get in touch, go and check out the site as well. Um, and beyond that, I was thinking about, so it, it doesn't have to be everyone creates their own podcast. I mean, listening to it's fantastic, but we also want to encourage that listening as a habit and the sort of amazing things you can learn and the entertainment value for podcasts is sort of all in spreading the, the catalogue that you subscribe to. So what I've decided I'm going to do at the end of, of every episode starting next week I'm going to recommend one of the podcasts from my subscription catalogue. Um, the reason I'm, I'm waiting, waiting until next week is because there's loads of recommendations in this one, so there'll be plenty to keep you going. If you actually have any recommendations yourself, um, drop me a line, drop me them on Twitter. So that's at cccdundee, or you can check us out on Instagram at cccdundee, or on you can drop it in the Facebook group as well. So that's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash cccdundee. But yeah, so that's it. Let's get into the episode. This is number 32, and this is with Colin Gray. Because I, I started out in astrophysics. 
uh, which always surprises people. <laughs> so as it turns out, um, I quite fancied starting out doing astrophysics at university just because what, it was... Just, what is astrophysics? <laughs> <laughs> astrophysics is just the physics of space. So it's just... Okay. Uh, well, so my idea of it, the reason I signed up for it, the reason I wanted to do that was because I didn't know what I wanted to do at school. I had no idea. Um, but I enjoyed physics. I was good at it. And I loved space. So I was uh, a wee a kind of geeky amateur astronomer when I was a kid, uh, just with binoculars, looking at the moon and stars and stuff and find out about it. And I thought it'd be cool to learn more about space. So I signed up for astrophysics at uni based on the fact that I thought if I do astrophysics, it shows you're smart so I can do whatever job I want from there without any other idea. Turns out you go to uni, though, and you do astrophysics and there's a lot less looking at stars in space and a lot more doing maths. It's way too much maths. It's just dull, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, it's a lot of people enjoy it. It's a good subject for for a lot of people, but it just didn't really float my boat in the end. Mm. And I, I kind of I dropped out after three years, got my ordinary degree, but didn't do honours, and ended up working in a bar for four or five years. And that's it. That's what ended up taking me into uh, media technical side of things because I signed up for a master's to make up for the fact that I was uh, too lazy to do my to get my honours degree. So I did a master's course in multimedia interactive systems, which got me into web design, and that's what I did for two or three years. So is that base was that Dundee based? That, that was Edinburgh. Edinburgh. So that was me in Edinburgh at the time. I was um, that master's was at Edinburgh and Napier. And from there, I ended up just like you, try to be a freelancer, just do freelance web design, but. I discovered pretty quickly that it was really hard to be a freelancer without having worked in the industry for a while. Like it seems like to be a freelancer, you need to have worked for an agency or a company for a while at least to gain those contacts and at least mm -hmm. a bit of the skills, like the organization side of things. So you can be, you can create a good website or whatever, but you don't know how to run a project. <laughs> so, so I didn't do very well at it, to be honest. I kind of failed on that um, and ended up taking a teaching job as uh, a bit of income to fuel my finance and my freelance career. So I ended up teaching web design at a college in Edinburgh. And that's what took me into the path I'm on just now because I ended up teaching uh, web design, ended up teaching how to teach using technology and podcasting was one of the fashionable texts to teach students back in 2007, 2008. Uh, so I started listening to shows around then and ended up running a course at Edinburgh Napier where I ended up working to teach lecturers how to podcast to support their teaching. So that's kind of, that's when I started podcasting. And really the business I run now is based solely on one decision one day that the hosting company we were using to run our university podcast was just a useless bunch of numpties they were just <laughs> it just kept going down every time i tried to run a podcasting course the whole thing would go down and i thought do you know what i'm a web designer i can create a website uh, that can do this for me so that's what i'm going to do so i started the podcasthost.com to be a podcast hosting platform and we put our podcasts on there um Ended up that wasn't the business because hosting is a rubbish business to be in. It's just a total commodity. Uh, and I just started writing articles and that's what led to the site it was because I wrote articles about the mics I was trying, the techniques I was learning, all that kind of stuff. And those just started to gain traction. People started enjoying them, started sharing them around. Uh, we put some affiliate links in there, which started to get some good income. And eventually it grew into something that could support me. And then someone that could support team members. And that's what grew into really what we do today. So it all started with, well, actually a bunch of stuff there. <laughs> a roundabout story that ended up where I am now. <laughs> but then, so this, the the podcast host, um, so I've, it built and developed um, when you were doing a PhD at, um, at Abertay. Yeah, well, that was, aye, that was another kind of stop along the way, really. That was how I got out of 
working at universities. It was my... So I enjoyed academia. I enjoyed working in the academic world because I do enjoy... I love teaching. That's kind of a big part of who I am, I think, because I've been teaching for close to 10 years now. Um, But I really enjoy teaching people with a real purpose. (laughs) And a lot of students at college particularly and a lot of universities, students as well, they're there because they... They kind of feel like they have to. Um, and I really enjoyed, I ended up really enjoying teaching businesses and teaching people who, you know, they're going to get a real return out of this. Um, so that was kind of, I don't know, it took my skills from university and I ended up working with real clients that I would teach them how to run content marketing, how to use a podcast, how to use media as a way of growing their own businesses. Um, and that's kind of what I wanted to do. So I escaped from university life basically by, I didn't have quite enough income to jump out of university into the podcast host initially. But the way I did it was that I was interested in academia. I wanted to keep being a teacher. So I thought, I'm going to sign up for a PhD because I enjoy research. I enjoy figuring stuff out, all that kind of stuff. So I thought, sign up for a PhD. That's really flexible. Gives you a bit of income, but it'll give me a lot more room to work with businesses, to work with you know, teaching podcasting outside of academia much more effectively. So I took on that PhD thinking that I would do that half the week and run the business half of the week. And if nothing else, if the business fails, I'll have a better qualification at the end of the three years. Um, so yeah, that was why I jumped into that. And it turned out to be great actually because I, I managed to develop my research skills, which help the business these days, develop some contacts, had lots of time to do it. Um, I created some courses during that PhD as well, during the research that now... Uh, we use in the business too so yeah it was a really useful way actually so that model now of, of the business is that people come on your courses um and the advice that they get so they, they subscribe to to the service that the podcast host provides yeah i mean people find us through the website first all the free stuff that we put out there so free articles free podcasts free videos um they get to know us they become come to trust us because of that that content we i mean we deliberately put out really good stuff um, and we've got a paid upgrade, essentially. Our membership is people pay $18 a month. <clears throat> Our primary audience is American, so I tend to talk in dollars. Um, it's so like 15 quid, I guess, a month. And people can get access to all of our courses, which are videos, uh, much more resources. So like checklists, here's something you have to do to get your first podcast out. Here's the 10 steps and here's videos to show you how. Um, and there's coaching too. So every two weeks, we've got a coaching call where people come on and talk to us live. So they get our time, basically, to ask us all the questions that are boiling them personally. Um, so yeah, that's kind of a, a premium upgrade above and beyond the free stuff that we do. I suppose like free content in itself um, seems counterintuitive. Um, yeah. And I think now more than ever, like open source stuff is uh, is the norm. Um, and yeah, people are like, yeah. happy to share. But I mean, how how do you draw the line between what you actually give away for free and what you say, no, actually that's, that's worth a bit of money. Yeah. 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 You, it's difficult. It's a hard question. Um, one, one way that I've found to delineate it is that you give away the, the what and the why for free and then the, how you charge for, but it doesn't quite work like that. That's kind of a, it's the way some people talk about it and it does work in a way um, because if you go out there and write, but this is why podcasting is great. This is how you would do it. Well, no, there's the how. See, I, I don't believe that you can create great content without doing a bit of how, at least, because people want to know how. That's what really attracts them in. They need to be able to get some results. They only start to trust you and like you if you tell them a bit of how to do stuff. I think the way that we do it is that we put all of our, our articles out there. We put all of our podcasts out there, which tell a lot of um, 
the sort of top level. Here's why, here's the benefits you're going to get from it, and here's how you get started in it. But the real kind of specifics, the real detailed work, that's what goes into our membership. So like I'll have a video on how to set up um, the Zoom recorder that's right in front of us, connected up to the Shure SM58 microphone into the Yamaha MG10 mixer. And that's a good setup for a particular type of podcasting. And we'll talk about that on a podcast. We'll write an article about that setup. But I'll do a video which shows actually exactly where the cables go. <laughs> and that's the bit, <clears throat> you know, that's where people get a real pain. So they, they hear that this is a good setup. They hear us talking about how to set it up. And we do give them a good bit of detail about how to do it. But then a lot of people will go, oh, I've not put it in the right hole, right? Tell me, I won't see exactly where to put it. And that's when they'll pay an extra pound or two pounds or whatever for that video um, or buy the membership, you know, and jump in. And it's the personalized stuff as well. So a lot of people say, well, that's great, but actually I have three people rather than two. So how do I plug a third mic into that? And so they'll come onto the membership, ask us about that on the live coaching, and we'll create a video for that particular type of setup. And it's not it's not general enough, that advice, to be worthwhile on our website, but it's something that's worthwhile putting into our membership instead. And you said, like, so your, um, your membership uh, is... I mean, the majority of it is American. Mm -hmm. So how how has that happened? Um, and is that is that something that you deliberately built up? No, not at all. It's I mean, there was very little deliberate building in the first place. Like when we first when I first started the podcast hosting, I wrote a range of articles. I mean, the first one to take off was around microphones. So it was talking about um, podcast microphones, and it's still one that gives us a lot of traffic as the best podcast microphones, basically. Um, because we get a lot of search terms around podcast mics, podcast microphones, what podcast mics should I choose, all that kind of stuff. It's one of the biggest things everyone talks about when they first get into podcasting. I created that post just because I'd had the same question myself. Like I had tried out two, three, four, five different mics. Um, I was lucky at the university, they had budget to buy these things. So I was podcasting in a university. I was like, can I go and buy some mics? And they were like, oh, do you need to, do you need to do this? I was like, oh yeah, all the, all the lectures, you know, they've got all these different contexts of recording. I need to try it this and that and that to make sure. And they were like, okay, here's a few hundred quid, go and buy some. So I was lucky that I could try out a bunch of different stuff. And I put them, I put that on the website um, amongst 20, 30, 40 other articles. And over a year, it just so happened that that one is the one that started doing well. I didn't know it was the one that was going to succeed. It was just in my analytics, my Google Analytics, I saw it start to climb in traffic. The the affiliate links in that article started to bring in a good bit of income. And there was no planning around that. It was just writing about stuff I was interested in. So again, back to the planning stuff, I didn't plan it to be American. It just so happened that that was where the attention grew more quickly. I mean, it's a bigger population to start with. There's like five times as many people live in America as over here. So it's proportionally going to be at least that much bigger, but actually it's much more. The difference is much larger than just five times. It's more than it should be just going by the population. And it's because there there are more podcasts in America. It took off over there. It was like, it was invented over there. The, the, a lot of the early shows were American. There are some notable good early shows in the UK as well, but it just happened that it just grew momentum over there more quickly. Um, so there was just more people starting to do it in America as well. And I mean, they, they've, they're lucky in that they've got this ecosystem around their public radio. Um, 
I don't know what you call that either, scene. It's not a scene, is it? But whatever it is, they, they have all these public radio stations where um, it's much more private. Whereas in, in the UK, B, the BBC almost holds us back because it's so good. It's like you've got... You've got all you've got these radio stations. I mean, how many you get hardly any radio stations in the UK, do you? You've got the BBC stations, and then you've got one or two private ones if you're lucky in your local area. Um, whereas in America, there's a huge range because they've got it's much more commercial. They don't have this big public body that basically dominates the space. So I feel like that helped the podcasting space a bit more because here the BBC were just like blanketing the whole thing. They put out replays of all their radio shows as podcasts, which kind of made everyone think podcasting is the BBC in the UK. So it grew less quickly over here. Um, it also I think it also held us back because a lot of the early podcasts in the UK were just replays, like highlights of pretty average radio show. Well, I mean, like the, the Chris Moyle show, I remember mm-hmm. back in the day, they used to put out highlights and they were fine. They're funny, but people were thinking it's just replays of existing content. It's not original. It's not like teaching. It's inspiring, entertaining, whatever. It's just these replays. What's what's the value in that? Whereas podcasting is way more than that. So I think it held us back. Um, so that's why I think America grew quite more quickly and why, yeah, probably more people are interested in it over there. Mm. I suppose the next question is, why do you think that podcasting is such a good medium for producing content and putting things out there? Yeah, the, it's it's a great medium for a few particular contexts. I mean, I we do podcasting, so that's our core. But uh, blogging and video are just as important for getting your word out there as well. And they all work really well together. So you've got, the way I think it works is you've got this three-way sort of um, capture tool here. You've got blog is... Uh, the sort of reach blog gets out blogs get out there like text is the way people search so they type into google right now they type in a question and blogs are the first things that come up because they're so easy for google to index so they're a really easy thing to have a search engine look for and it's changing a wee bit like with the new smart speakers people are searching by voice now but it's still not an easy way to consume that material so text is still massive so you still need your blogs out there but the attention there is not great like you can't really get your personality out there it's quite hard to stand out in blogs there's so many out there so you can reach people that way they can find out about you but it's quite hard for them to get to know you basically and start to trust you the way to do that is with medium media because they, they get to know you through your personality so you can create a video for example and they say oh i quite like this guy because he's kind of funny i like the way he talks you can see a bit more about what you're like basically they can see your human side mm-hmm. which they don't get so much through text but video again the attention's not great so you're like I think the stats last time looked something like four or five minutes is the average attention. You're lucky if you can get people to watch past four or five minutes on a YouTube video. So they don't stay with you for long. So it's quite hard to build momentum and kind of grow in fans that way. And that's where podcasting stands out because podcasting can put your personality across there. It can let get it can let people get to know you. They can start to like you, to trust you. You're in their head, you know, you're speaking directly into their ears, which is a really intimate thing. Um, They're kind of injected into your brain through your headphones. Um, So they get to really like you and know you and trust you. And it's really amplified by the fact that they listen for hours. So podcasting has attention. Podcasting's got huge attention. Like people, some of the most popular shows on the internet are three hours long. Like Tim Ferriss show, Dan Carlin talking about history by himself on his own for three hours at a time. And he's got hundreds of thousands of listeners. Um, so you combine the engagement you get through personality. So them starting to know you and trust you and combine that by the hours that they listen to you. And it just, it creates these huge fans. It creates people that just feel like they know you and love you. 
Um, and it's why like podcasters have the most crazy fans. It's, it's ridiculous. Um, I, <laughs> there was one time I was at a conference in America and I was at, um, and I'm not saying that I've not got crazy fans by any means, but this just was a weird little thing that happened. I was standing at a bar waiting to order a drink uh, and I just felt this hot breath in my ear and I was about to turn around before I could even turn around. I just heard this voice in my ear saying, Colin, I know you. You're in my bed with me every single night. I was like, what the f-? <laughs> <laughs> and I, I turned around and it, it turned out it wasn't a stalker about to kill me. It was a guy who just happened to listen to my show and uh, he enjoyed the accent and it, it was a relaxing thing for him. It was, this was in America and he felt found it relaxing and he listened to shows in the evening to sort of wind down and he enjoyed my show as one of the last ones of the evening because it was there was something about my accent that he enjoyed that helped him kind of wind down for bed. It wasn't because it was boring. I don't think. I think it was. It's actually <laughs> funny that you say that. Um, yeah, randomly, I've got a, a couple of friends who from from London, and yeah, they yeah. they have this this app where it's yeah. a I can't remember his name, but it's 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 a, it's a guy who talks to them and talks them to right? sleep, okay. and he's got this sort of well-spoken Scottish uh-huh. accent, and uh, apparently okay. it's got a sort of soothing relaxing quality about it so there's definitely something in that yeah 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 yeah. it was cool but it was just an example of a guy who felt like he knew me that was the thing he just he had no trouble coming up to me and just like talking to me as if i was a friend right away because he'd heard my voice for hours on end i'd helped him with stuff i'd taught him some stuff about podcasting i'd obviously accidentally helped him like wind down relax just to become a part of his life and that happens to podcasters everywhere like you hear stories like that all over the place more so than any other medium i know but it's, it's funny because there is that personal connection yeah um but it's experienced in a completely removed context so you've yeah. no idea how why where people are actually yeah, digesting yeah. that content yeah, yeah. Um, and there's all those like lovely little stories of people Aye. sitting doing it at work or on their commute or at night in bed that you've, yeah. you've just unless they tweet you and tell yeah. you or whatever you just no idea it's a funny one yeah totally i mean you need to deliberately go out there and find them because it, it, people i know people who have given up on podcasting and and then the people then there's been the outcry so they've they've gone along for years creating a podcast and they thought oh, no, nobody cares nobody's getting like nobody's getting in touch they like hear a voice one person every month or someone will say oh yeah I'm listening uh, and they'll give up and then suddenly they stop and then there's like dozens of people go what I was listening why have you stopped podcasting come back and they're like what you never told me that before <laughs> so yeah it's just Aye, it must be like that, I suppose, in every medium. But yeah, podcasting's great that way. So is the moral of that then that the people who are listening need to be more active? And if you enjoy it, actually tell the person that you yeah, absolutely. It's partly that, but I mean, it's the responsibility of the pr- the presenter. It's up to you as a presenter. If you're creating content, you need to engage your audience. You need to do things to make them engage with you, like um, basic stuff, like run a competition or or run a little feature where you get listener feedback, or you know, there's loads of things you can do to encourage people to get back to you and get in touch with you and, and, and engage with the show. So in terms of your personal um, digestion of, of podcasts, yeah, yeah, yeah. How, how does that work for you? Like, where do you listen to them? What do you listen to? I, I'm a pretty prolific listener, I suppose. Like it, it, it's maybe changed a wee bit in the last year, but like three, four years ago when my before I had kids and when my kids were really little. So I've got a five-year-old and a two-year-old now. Um, but back before I had them, so I started listening to shows in about 2006. First ever podcast I listened to was a guy called Paul Boag, who I now know quite well, actually. Um, 
UK podcaster, one of the first and most prolific UK podcasters about web design, actually. So you might enjoy the show. It still runs. Um, and I started listening to that show and I just got addicted straight away because it was him and his pal Marcus listening, having ban- it, sort of chatting away, a bit of banter, um, but teaching you stuff at the same time. So like learning something, being entertained. And it was because I was working at Napier. I was walking for an hour every day at lunch. I sit behind a computer every day. So I just, I have to get out at lunch and do something and just take a walk. And that was my podcast listening time. So I would go out for an hour. I would listen to a show or two, wander about, um, and I just got totally hooked. And for the few years after that, I would just listen any possible available point that I'm not doing something else. I would stick my, ear- my earphones in and just listen to something. So if it was walking to work, on the bus, driving somewhere, um, even if I'm in a queue for more than like three minutes, I'll pull out my headphones and put them in um, and listen to something. So it was like any wasted moment, uh, I would listen to it. In recent years, I've changed that a wee bit. So I try and have a bit more quiet time. Like I feel like these days... I don't know, my kids maybe made me more aware of it, the fact that my attention wanders quite a lot and I kind of, uh, I can be not present with them. So I try to kind of, uh, I definitely still listen to maybe an hour or two every day, driving or walking or whatever, but I try and have a bit of peaceful time as well, maybe more mindful time as well. So it's kind of, my listening habits have changed, but I'm still, primarily, so to answer your basic question primarily it's driving and walking hmm. so my lunchtime i still go out for an hour walk at lunch listen to a podcast during that and i still drive probably a few hours a week hmm. that's pretty good because yeah for me it's sort of um yeah that that walk to work um, yeah so i get 20 minutes each way um at least and then yeah i, I quite i can do it when i work as yeah, well when i'm designing yeah. See, stuff. i can't do that um <laughs> but only if it's certain things if it's something yeah. really brain intensive and i've got big problems to solve or something yeah. like that um, then i can't do it or if i'm writing i, I can't if i'm doing that i can't yeah. if I'm, even if i'm writing emails yeah. i find it very difficult to to sort of yeah. focus on that because it's very much got to be in your foreground whereas you can have music on and it's in the, the sort of the back yeah. of your mind like yeah. sort of passive listening yeah and um, podcasts are sort of different where they need to be in the foreground do you find the different types of shows for that type of context? Absolutely. I think yeah. um, looking at my, you look at the, the subscriptions that I've got, um, it's very much slanted towards comedy, I think. Mm-hmm. Comedy and entertainment, I would yeah. say. Yeah. Um, but there's certain ones that, that have a lot more intense conversations or mm-hmm. there's ones that are um, just really quite chatty and stupid. And yeah, yeah. if you miss 10 minutes, it's not going to matter. matter yes. Yeah, so you can just dip <laughs> in and out. And not it's try just, to learn something. Yeah, yeah it, it's, it's almost as if you're just sort of hanging out with the people and that's happening in yeah. the same room and whatever. Yeah. And it's kind of, right. it's quite, quite nice that way. Like one of the ones that's really good for that is, um, it's uh, John Robbins on xfm they've got oh yeah uh, it's it's just yeah so again it's sort of that cut out of their radio show yeah Um, but it's quite good just for a background one but then you've got i think for me that there's a sort of a few big ones that i don't want to miss every week they come out and it's like you're excited to see them come on the list yeah definitely um like um scroobius pips distraction Uh, pieces is really uh good because he's got a range of guests from like entertainment to music to um, comedians, whatever, um, and he's had yeah loads of brilliant, brilliant people on it. Yeah, yeah. And then like really niche, like more like comedy based stuff. So um, Stuart Goldsmith, Goldsmith's uh, comedians, comedian. Okay. Um, and he only ever interviews comedians. Yeah. Um, he's a comedian himself, but uh-huh. he's a lot lesser known than a lot of the guests yeah. he has on. Yeah. But he's built this amazing audience in the podcast. But That's he's cool. got this really great ability to ask 
ask really cut in questions and yeah. really dig deep and yeah. like pull them out of it yeah. and yeah. sort of unpack what they say. Yeah. And I think yeah. I just really admire that. It's something that people constantly underestimate with us is the skills that you you need to interview well. Like mm. Some people think you can just do it's just a conversation, just asking questions, write down five questions, ask them, you get a great interview, but it's nonsense. Like <laughs> it's so difficult to do a good interview. It's what I mean, it's why like, yeah, uh, love him or hate him Piers Morgan is like prime time telly because he he's a good interviewer he can he can ask those cutting questions and pull them out and if you watch it with awareness and I do this these days like try to be a better interviewer myself if you watch an interview with that in mind like how are they doing it it's like it's fascinating actually the types of questions that really good interviewers do and the things they latch on to as well like the little thing you never even noticed that they jump on and like start asking and that's what brings out the brilliant stories mm. yeah I mean that <laughs> It's funny just because you're sitting and you think, oh, it's going to be quite informal and quite natural yeah, yeah. when you're sitting having a chat. But what yeah. I've found with this is that, although I maybe have some notes on my phone, it's more like I now have to continue the thread of the conversation. Yeah. I've got to be conscious of a sort of positive, negative sort of energy balance yeah, of yeah. the conversation. Yeah. How do you keep that flow and how do you keep yeah. it exciting? Yeah. Um, and what's the next question? How yeah. do you keep that running into yeah. the next yeah. one? And so your yeah. mind's constantly going Aye. and you can do Like I tried to do three in a day once and I was yeah. absolutely exhausted. Yeah, absolutely. I find it that way too. Totally. So I, I, yeah, I don't think I'd ever do more than two in, yeah. in the same day now. Yeah. But, yeah. but is there any sort of little tips or techniques or tricks that you've developed while sort of doing the interviewing of people that, that you'd like to share? I, when I'm running an interview, I, so there's people, there's two schools of thought on it. Some, well, actually, okay. So there's two, two schools of thought out there. I find with interviews, one of them is that you should prepare a lot. So you should actually do a lot of research. You should find out as much as you can about the person, delve into their background. So you know a lot about them so that you're educated to ask them relevant questions and to dive into things that they're maybe into that, you know, your audience is going to be into that kind of stuff. The other school and a lot of people well, maybe not a lot, but there's a fair few people advocate this, which is, oh, I go into an interview, I don't research people because I want to come to it from the same point of view as my listener. I just think that is lazy, to be honest. Mm. <laughs> I think that it's a, it's a cop-out. Um, and it works for some people. I think you have to be damn good to pull that off, though. Um, I mean, one person, I think... Um, I've not listened to him in a while, actually, but I think in, in the past he's talked about it. Mark Maron is a brilliant interviewer. He can just, like, pull every little bit of juice out of people's stories and just do it in such an engaging way and I think he now forgive me if I'm getting this wrong I might be getting mixed up but I'm pretty sure he has said that's his approach like he tries not to research much because he likes to come in without knowing it and ask the stupid questions he can pull it off because he's damn good at it but most people can't I don't think so I think research I mean it sounds boring but I actually go in and like look up I spend at least an hour looking up people's stuff um, I don't go as far as like reading books and things that people mm. have written, which I know some people do. Like there's interviews I know go out there and they actually spend two days, say, delving into people's content. I mean, this is people that are running shows that actually it's their job. So they can afford the time to do that. Yeah. But I mean, even an hour or two, just going through some old blog posts, some social media, just like getting to know a bit about what they're like. And, and my biggest tip from that is actually find something that's not work-related. So, um, for example, what was the one recently? Um, 
that pops out of my head now. But for, for me, for example, you'll find if you look through my social media that I'm into mountain biking. So it's something I talk about a lot on mountain bike and on social because it's my passion outside of the studio work. And so for me, you might like start off actually by saying, so before we get into the work stuff, I hate, you see you're into mountain biking, where do you usually go? Like start talking about something that they're not usually asked about, but they are passionate about because they'll have been interviewed dozens of times. But they're probably, they're not often asked about their hobbies or something mm. a bit different or, you know, find something more hobby-like or fun or interesting. Like you told me before, you're into surfing. So I would, I didn't do this with our interview before, but I should have asked you something about surfing before. That kind of eases you into it. It starts off in a more informal, friendly way and it gets people warmed up so that when you do jump into the work stuff, you get more friendly stories. You get, you get less of the sound bites, less of the really kind of rehearse stuff and more two pals talking to each other which mm. is what you want yeah and i mean that's exactly the, the sort of style that i'm trying to put out with this yeah, podcast as yeah. well then and it's difficult when someone you've never met before trying yeah. to put them at ease yeah but absolutely. It, it sort of comes back to what you're saying before about trust yeah, yeah. Um, it's building that trust and you can i can you can actually see physically people relaxing when they know that you know a little bit about yeah. what they do so yeah. Yeah. i mean yeah not spend hours and hours doing it but th there is a conscious effort there and the, yeah. the, the guests yeah. can see that you've made that effort yeah. um, to get to know them at least a little bit uh, anyway yeah. that's the thing the laziest and most almost disrespectful thing I think you can do with an interview is say hi welcome to the show and on this show I've got uh, Ryan from Slurp now Ryan tell me what you do <laughs> Ryan, introduce yourself <laughs> because I've been too lazy to think to look up it and, and introduce you myself. It's and it's so many people do it and they they don't really think about it. It's just something that people jump into with interviews. And do you know the other benefit? And I learned this from um, Michael O'Neill from the Solopreneur Hour um, is that he does really and I do this now as well and it works a treat. Do really kind of in-depth introductions so with you for example i would say um so i'm talking to ryan from slurp i did a bit of this earlier maybe not as in-depth as i probably could have actually to be fair now that i think about it but you could say ryan from slurp and ryan is working on this i'm working on that he does well i did do a bit i said this is your company this is the show that you do basically you get the pitch out of the way at the start mm. so i tell the listener who you are what you're where you're from i give you even maybe your social tag your your twitter tag or something like that and so you as the guest go oh he's already done my job for me i've already so they already know what i do they know the product the service i offer so they relax and they're like i don't need to try and crowbar my book in there or you yeah. know my service in there or my twitter handle or whatever I don't need to try and crowbar it in and think about it the whole way through the show because quite often people leave that till the end they'll leave that till the outro mm -hmm. now tell me where you can i can find you online or what are you working on just now that people should go and check out do that at the start and they relax and it becomes a more informal friendly interview i think yeah that's a good tip i will take that one. It wor it's worked well for me since i've been doing it <laughs> Um, so in a similar vein to what we've been talking about, um, mountain biking was on my list of things to chat about. Because um, you run, so you run two podcasts. Uh, we do a few, actually, we do four live right now and a okay. few on hiatus. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, but one of them is focused around yeah, your sort of passion biking, for, yeah. for yeah. mountain biking. So what made you decide, right, I need to create a podcast about that? I, I mean, I, because it's a hazard of the job, whatever, whenever I get into something, I always think, oh, I could do a podcast with this. Uh, and I need to hold myself back because it's really, because like, you, you know, it's a lot of work to run a podcast and it's quite easy. And I have been in this situation where you end up running a few badly as opposed to one really well. Um, but mountain biking is something that I do a lot of and it's kind of my main 
sideline outside of work. Main thing that helps me blow off steam. Um, and I wanted to do a show because there's not many, there's no shows out there. So I, part of it was I looked for shows to listen to and I couldn't find any. Um, there's a couple around now, but it's still really underserved. There's still not many folk doing it, but it's a big market. So I thought it's a, it's a good chance for us to create a pretty big show. And I, I mean, as a company that does podcasting, we need to have examples of shows that we run that do well. <laughs> you know, we need to show that we can do it. We know what we're doing. And the mountain biking was a good opportunity for that because it was uh, it was a much wider ranging um, it's a much wider audience. It's, it's something that I know well. And so it's been an experiment for us, really. It's a sandbox for me to play with different approaches. And it's not necessarily like with our podcast and when I need to make sure the, the, the quality's shit hot, the, pro, the production um, values are shit hot. It needs to be good. So it takes a while to do that. I can't really cut corners with the podcasting because the podcasting show, because people go, this is a podcasting show and it sounds crap. I'm not going to go with these guys. But with the mountain biking one, I can go out and I can create a terrible sounding show that's just like me recording on location because the listeners of that don't really care what it, you know, it doesn't, they're not as discerning in terms of the audio. So it's been a good mm. playground for me, basically. Um, but I just like talking to people about mountain biking, basically. <laughs> it's like you said, it's a good excuse to talk to folk in mm. the industry and learn from them and, and grab the people that I wouldn't be able to otherwise. So is that the way that you sort of get away from everything, get away from all the, the technology and the microphones and all the rest of it is, is mountain biking? That's away. a part of it, actually, yeah. Get out in the forest and just it's much more, um, yeah, switch off, off the grid. Uh, and sometimes I take my recorder with me, but I uh, I tend not to record. I've tried that, recording out in the field, but I don't, yeah, I don't really enjoy it. I'd rather come back to the studio and I've got a co-host on that show and he's a he's a, pro a professional racer. <clears throat> so we just talk about the things we've done during that week. Um, and it's good fun, yeah. It's a sustainable way to do it, is to have a co-host like that and you just have a conversation every week or every two weeks. And yeah, it's cool. Mm. I enjoy it. <laughs> and obviously you're chatting um, on a set up with a microphone and in front of this and for some people yeah, that could yeah. potentially be intimidating and i think when you're first starting out there's a sort of there's a, a lack of confidence in that um and it's something that i've been talking it's one of these themes that continues to pop up yeah and it's sort of i, I like to ask the question how how do you think you've sort of gained your confidence over the years of, of doing this i well i suppose to start with context i was so I was a shy kid. I was um, a shy a grown up actually when it came to it. Uh, I was, and when I started teaching, so I told the story earlier on, I ended up teaching kind of by accident. It was really just to support my podcasting, uh, no, sorry, my web design career at the time. Uh, and that terrified me. Like I got up in front of classes. I was just an assistant at first. So I would be standing behind the lecturer, just kind of walking around and giving one to one coaching. And I could do that. I was all right at that. I became good at it through practice. But as soon as I started being the person that stood up in front, it terrified me. Um, but the way I got around it, I think, was just by... This is, I mean, it's a bit trite and it's a bit obvious, but it was just preparing. It was just knowing my stuff. So I was teaching web design and it was stuff... Do you know what? It was more than that, actually. It was stuff that I knew about, but it was stuff that I really enjoyed. So I, I think I start, first started gaining my confidence because I was teaching animation. So I was teaching Flash um back in the day when flash was still a thing uh and i was creating anime i was creating cartoons because i loved doing that and i played around with that in my spare time and so i started teaching the students that and because it was something that i knew really well but not only knew really well something that i 
blooming love to do it and I was just really passionate about that was that kind of got me over my nerves I suppose because I was just I was really enthusiastic enthused to talk about it um I think that you gain confidence in that in speaking and presenting and getting your content over through probably the combination of the two enthusiasm on its own passion on its own probably doesn't cut it uh being competent probably doesn't cut it on their own but if you find someone that you've got both that's quite important or that's really powerful I would say and then it's just I mean we talked for my show before this uh, and you said just do it <laughs> everyone is terrified no one knows what they're doing everyone is winging it that's the secret network this world everyone is out there blooming winging it every single second of the day um if you realize that as soon as you realize that it, it makes life so much easier <laughs> yeah and i think yeah, that's something that's come up time and time again just the sort of this muddling through aspect of it yeah. and just yeah you'll get there in the end just yeah. keep plugging away yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah but sure. yeah i mean it's the, the presentation skills the interview skills like i said people underestimate the, the practice the hours of interviewing you have to do to get good at that it's the same with presenting it's the same with speaking on the mic like this good. <laughs> that's the only way to get, get the confidence it's just yeah it's actually doing it in in a real context to real people and getting feedback and actually asking for feedback saying what do you like about this what do you not like and being having an internal confidence that means that you're not going to be put off by somebody that comes back and saying, I don't like this. I don't like that. Take it as real, take it as tips to improve. Mm. Yeah. It's difficult. It's not easy. And everybody hates their voice, but nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> the people that are listening don't care. They don't know what your voice sounds like in your head. So just blew into it. <laughs> I think that's it. Cause I, I went through that thing as well, where I really hated my voice and then you put it out and people go, you've actually got a really good voice for radio yeah, yeah. and i mean I, I still don't agree with that yeah, yeah. but I, I mean yeah as long as people don't hate it they, yeah. they don't find it puts them off exactly. then that's fine you can it's funny how you grow into it because i i would have never said i've got a good voice for radio for recording whatever um especially 15 years ago or whatever when i still could barely stand in front of a room and speak um but as soon as i start recording some stuff you become a bit more relaxed with it. You relax into it. You can you just start speaking more like yourself, more confidently. And then suddenly people start saying to me, you've got a great voice for this. And I'm like, oh, but I don't have any particular kind of voice. It's just the fact that you're speaking into decent kit with a bit of confidence and it suddenly works. And then suddenly actually you start to think about it and work on it. Like I've done training and practice around... Um, I'm not really particular. <laughs> I don't really particularly do it when I'm like doing a, a, a conversation or whatever. But you know, when you're presenting something, I'm recording a show where I'm doing narration. So I'm thinking about the way I speak, my cadence, and my tone of voice. And you know, you put it on a little bit. You can put it on a little bit, and it kind of grow into it. It's, we it's weird how you can. You can. I think you can get good at anything with a bit of practice. There's, there's practically nothing in this world that you can't get good at with it's nothing comes naturally to people i don't think mm -hmm. i think it's all practice and skill and and just developing it so um there was there was a, there's a story going around i think i read recently about a guy who did practice having a really people um come up to this guy and tell him you've got a really deep voice hey one day this is a great voice and he was like no i used to speak like this really high pitched but i just practiced and suddenly you got a really deep voice. <laughs> so you can even change your voice as well. There's, an exa there's examples out there of people that have done that. <laughs> well, I didn't even know that was possible. So, <laughs> um, so I mean, Dundee's a, a relatively small city. Yeah. As it is. Um, and there's not, there's, there's a few podcasts kicking about, but it's yeah. not a massive, I'm going to use that word again, podcasts yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, here. But it's something that I'd really like to encourage and see flourish yeah, a bit yeah, more. Yeah. So I'm interested to get your perspective on what what we could be doing, what we should be doing to yeah. sort of encourage people to 
to go out and get started. Yeah, yeah. I think you're absolutely right. I, I mean, I've tried to do a couple of podcast meetups in Dundee and the surrounding area up, um, in the past couple of years. And it was a struggle because not many people are doing it. I didn't even know you at the time. And you was your, who's your friend that does it again? The mixed tape? Uh, Sam Gonsalves. Yes, indeed. I. Um, so there's a few around. But yeah, it was a struggle. I th- I mean, I wonder sometimes whether it'd be good to start like a listener group first. Because mm. that's an easy way in. I think that's the only way to get people to start running a podcast is they have to be in, they have to be fanatical listeners first you have to really love the medium before you can bother putting the effort into creating one mm-hmm. so maybe that's a good start but in terms of getting people to start it's it's shockingly easy to start podcasting like all you need is a smartphone um pull out your smartphone you, and there's a voice recorder app on just about every smartphone out there pull that out the mic on a smartphone is actually pretty good hold your smartphone up underneath your mouth upside down um, and it works as a decent mic or even just hold it up to your ear as if you're running a, you're doing a phone call that's the way it's designed to work after all like that's the way phones are meant to work so the mic's designed to be able to pick up your voice really well from that position um, and you can just speak for 10 minutes into it talking about something you enjoy and that's a podcast basically um, the only complicated part beyond that and it's not even that complicated once you understand it is getting onto the web publishing it but there's loads of really good services out there that make that really easy now podcast hosts there's even apps you can get for your smartphone that you can record directly into that app and it's automatically published from there on um so yeah there's there's really easy ways to get into it before we finish up i've got one question that's it's kind of been bugging me for a while (laughs) um and that i spend a lot of time talking about podcasts and using the word yeah but it seems like I mean the the term has come from an an old medium, right? Yeah, it's come yeah. from the the iPods that yeah. people then cast these things to, uh-huh. and it's completely. I mean, the iPod's pretty much obsolete now. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, what's your thoughts on the, the the sort of name of this whole genre of yeah. stuff? There's a there's a lot of debate about it. Actually, there has been it kind of comes and goes over the years. Um, there are people out there, there's pretty prominent people in the podcasting world that will argue we should get rid of it. We should be fighting to change the term, to call it something else, because it is a little bit kind of techy. It's a little bit misleading. It's like you say, it comes from a completely weird little way that it started that it actually doesn't bear much relation to what it is now. Um, there's other people that say we're stuck with it. People know it now. It's famous enough, actually, that it's ours and we have to just own it and use it. Um because changing it might completely destroy any momentum we've already gained around trying to make podcasting mainstream. Because that's the trouble we have. Podcasting still isn't mainstream. It's like stats are about 50-50. So if you ask a random person in the street whether they've heard of podcasts and it's about 50-50, well, they will have not. Um, and we've still only got something like, um, tw- I think 23% was the last I saw, regular listeners. So 23% of people in general population listen on a weekly basis, which seems high to me. I'm not sure what. Mm. <laughs> I'd be surprised if we went out into the streets of Dundee right now and asked and we got one in five people listened on a weekly basis to that podcast. Yeah. That would shock me. Um, so for me, for me, it's ours. It's our, it's our term. Whether it means anything or not now, it's there's no point in trying to change it, I think. And actually... I, be, I think in three, four, five years' time, it'll almost be, whether we still have the term podcast or not, I think that it'll just be online audio. I think, because radio, I think, is going more that way as well. Like, nearly all radio stations broadcast their stuff on demand afterwards now as well. And I, I don't know if it'll be long before there'll be more that than the live stuff. There's probably always going to be a place for live radio, for live TV, whatever, but... 
on demand is going to just grow and grow, isn't it? I mean, yeah. So I, I feel like in a few years' time, maybe it won't be podcasting. Maybe it'll just be, you know, we're listening to online audio. We're, we're listening to digital audio. We're listening to we're listening to talk shows. Maybe mm. it won't even be audio. Maybe it's just, you know, I'm listening to a talk show on the way to work. How are you listening to it? I don't care. It's just an app on my phone. I press play. It goes. <laughs> um, the terminology maybe matters less and less as we as it becomes more um, ubiquitous. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. So what's what's the future for you then? Where do you see yourself going? And what what would you like to do? I would forward? like. I would love to make it so that I see. I see the kind of the mission of our company as being allowing anyone to get their voice out there to be heard it's a it's, that's our cheesy mission i suppose but to, when it comes down to it it's like i just i just love podcasts i love listening to shows from people who who love in turn what they do like it doesn't even matter what it's about it's like i can listen to something on i can randomly come across a show on blooming crochet or something like that and and as long as the person is like head to like head to toe in love passionate like just over head over heels in love with what they do you can listen to it for 20 minutes 30 minutes just get infected by that by that enthusiasm and learn something about a random topic and i just love that about podcasting that there's an audience for people out there with really specific little weird um hobbies uh so our kind of like what I the thing I love about what we do is the people that get in touch and say I managed to get my show out because of the articles you wrote because of the videos you put out because of the academy or whatever um, and now we've got 100 people 500 people 1000 people listening and getting in touch with us and we're encouraging more people to get into backwards crochet uh, in under the sea in submarines you know the most specific little weird niches um, I just love that it's brilliant so I, I would love for us in a few years time um for example we're releasing we're trying to get an app out there right now which makes it easier for people to podcast takes away a lot of the technical barriers so if in a few years time that app has helped you know um raise the podcast listenership from that 50 percent to 75 percent or 20 percent regular listeners to 50 percent regular listeners because we help more people be enthusiastic and get more shows out there which grows the world of podcasting that's what that's what i want to do mm. <laughs> um so it I'm getting you to uh, recommend a few yeah. that podcasts that you're really excited about. Uh -huh. Okay, cool. Well, let me. I always have to because I uh, I've got my standards that I listen to. Um, for example, there's some of the really popular, like Tim the Tim Ferriss show is one of the most popular shows out there. But it's because it's damn good, and I listen to that every single episode that comes out um, because he interviews people who are just like world class at what they do and he draws out ex really good interviews and draws out really how they do it you can learn so much about being successful from his show um i listen to a lot of drama so uh matthew that works with me uh he does audio drama that's his background so i listen to a lot of audio dramas um which are just like uh if you don't know what audio drama is you're listening it's just a like a the archers basically but much more interesting <laughs> <laughs> it's a terrible example of audio drama but you get brilliant ones like from sci-fi to fantasy to to weird little kind of um improvised audio dramas um and some of my favorites there are you've got um uh welcome to the magic tavern which is a fully improvised fantasy-based comedy radio dra audio drama which is, is just brilliant uh two man bay it's a bbc one it's a egyptian audio drama so set back in ancient egypt which is great 
Um, and you've got We're Alive, it's a zombie story, so everyone loves zombies. We're Alive is a zombie audio drama, which is great. Um, if you want something so more kind of creative, maybe that suits your audience, I suppose, you've got things like uh, How I Built This. It's a great show from NPR, which is like how people started their businesses, but it focuses more on the kind of creative side of it, like how they go about really figuring out their user wants and needs and stuff and, and just the stories behind it. It's quite cool. Um, and what else am I listening to just now? We've got a oh, wow in the world. <laughs> so this is one I'm listening to. It's a kid one from NPR. So my five-year-old son is now addicted to a podcast called Wow in the World because it's uh, it's a science show for kids, but it's, it's great. It's absolutely brilliant because it's just really enthusiastic and really well-made and really interesting and genuinely, you know, like a lot of, well, you probably don't know because you don't have kids, but if you have to listen to kids stuff, a lot of it is really patronizing or boring or cheesy or it's like adults trying to be cool for kids, but it's not in any way. But this is just actually really fun and and. and it is actually pretty cool. So yeah, maybe there's a few to start yeah, with. Yeah, no, that's great. <laughs> I could talk for hours about it. I've got like, uh, I don't know, scrolling down my screen just now, I've got maybe 40 or 50 shows subscribed to just now. I never get through them all. I also think that was something else I had the thought of is that you should just take screen grabs of people's podcasts. Yeah, yeah. Um, with their subscriptions and yes. just share them. I yeah, think yeah. that'd be great. Aye, it um, would be. Yeah, I mean, I'm always interested to ask that actually. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably, I mean, it's a podcast episode in itself, just yeah. recommend another. Yeah, yeah. So obviously people can go to the podcast host and yes. find out, I mean, there's some really great advice on there if you're starting out, if you're thinking about Thank getting you. into it. Um, yeah, the equipment side of things, yeah, the yeah, logistics yeah. side of things, the yeah. tech side of things. So um, yeah, how do people find you and find the podcast host yeah i mean it's the podcast host.com the podcast host.com uh, for the website uh just ask me any questions i always want to chat to anyone on twitter i use twitter and instagram most probably so i'm the podcast host on twitter the podcast host with underscores annoyingly somebody's stolen the podcast host on instagram so it's underscores in between the words on instagram and um uh, podcraft actually I suppose our podcast podcraft that's the one you're going to appear on very soon <laughs> uh, and it's the show that we do about podcasting so we've got a season based so you can go through and find a season that suits whatever you are just now in podcasting so season one is 10 episodes about how to get your first episode out there so that's the beginner season so you can go back and listen to that first season to to get that or most recently we've done a season we're doing a season just listener questions basically so anyone who has a question about podcast and they write in matthew and i chat it through over 10 15 minutes so you can find that at podcraft.net great thank you very much no problem glad to be on cheers And that was Colin. Um, thanks to him for letting us use his studio to do the recording and for having me on his podcast, Podcraft. And you can check that out in probably three or four weeks or thereabout, but I will let you know when that goes out. But beyond that, again, I just want to reiterate that if anyone is sort of thinking about it or has a sort of start of an idea about a podcast they'd like to do, feel free to drop me a note or a tweet or whatever or similarly get in touch with Colin. Um, he's an absolute fountain of knowledge, um, really approachable, really nice, um, really generous with all the, the sort of skills and knowledge that he has about podcasting. And also go and check out his website for sure. Um, there's everything you can need to know. I am still trawling through it and learning a hell of a lot. So that's pretty much it the only thing that's left to say is um, thank you to everyone who's been purchasing the merchandise um, it really helps the podcast keep going 
So the prints, the badges and the mini books, um, all of them still available on cccdundee forward slash store. Um, and all the proceeds help me continue to interview amazing guests, of which we have some exciting ones coming up in the next few weeks. But yes, that's it for this week. If you don't follow already, it's at cccdundee on Twitter and on Instagram. And until next week, goodbye. <laughs>